Alright, hey. Hey, let's get right to it. Uh, what's going on? Everybody had a good week, I hope. Uh, I think there's about at least 20 to 30 of you guys out there listening to this. So, that's awesome. Thanks for doing that. It's appreciated. Uh, I hope I'm getting better at it. Or some weeks I think are so-so and others are okay. Again, it's not like the easiest thing in the world to talk about, and it doesn't really pertain to anyone because I'm talking about specific memories of my own, but sometimes just a good 12 minutes of love and comics is a great thing to listen to. Maybe. Hopefully. Uh, today I wanted to talk about uh, two kids, these two kids, um, cousins of mine, Paul and Stephen. Now, my dad had a brother... And these were his two kids. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to get all sourpuss here. My dad passed away in 1990, a long time ago. And I haven't really spoken to his brother, my uncle, probably since then. And his two sons, you know, it's like a Facebook relationship. And I'm, I'm glad that I even just have that. You know, I'd love to get to talk to Paul specifically because he had a pretty huge effect on my life and you know but he's you know moved out to a out in the midwest and once in a blue moon we'll send a little email back and forth to each other and I'm so happy that that's the case because we didn't talk for the longest time for different reasons that don't belong on this podcast but uh you know these two brothers they were older than me, Stephen is, I don't want to say much older because that's not fair, but you know, he, he's, Stephen's probably in his 40s already and Paul is either 40 or close to it, or actually probably a little bit older than that even. So when I was a little kid, you know, they were a good two, three, four, five years older than me and they had their shit together. I mean, I don't know if they necessarily had their shit together, that's maybe wrong, but they had taste and particular tastes that I hadn't yet formed. You know, I was a little bit still learning. And I didn't have an older brother. And we would go over to their house. And that's where I would find out about so many different things. Like comics and music. Uh, our taste in music was pretty different. But I still learned a lot about it from them. You know, this was the 80s and like the early and mid 80s. So, you know... Steven was more into, like, hair metal, and shit, I will not try to deny the fact that I listened to a lot of that stuff back then, you know, still love it, and Paul was more into, like, the Megadeth kind of side, the, the more fucking gnarly kind of, like, heavy metal, you know, and, I mean, just not to talk about comic books for a second, but I can remember a time where uh, I never really dug that real heavy stuff. I grew up on the Beatles and 60s music, and I would hear that, and still to this day I hear heavy bands, and I, I, it just doesn't do anything for me. I know there's a lot of people out there that love that kind of stuff, and I respect it, but it just doesn't... I like melody, and I love pop, <laughs> you know? But I remember him playing Pink Floyd, and I fell in love with that. And I remember bringing the record home, he taped it for me, and my parents kind of wigged out because they knew what kind of music you listened to and you know this was when like all the the bullshit with uh tipper gore al gore's wife was going on and they were having labels put on music and you know uh, 
people were afraid of rock and roll again, like as if they didn't learn their lesson in the 50s with fucking Elvis Presley of all people. Here we are in like the mid 80s and it's happening again. I guess they were talking about or singing about some different kind of shit than Elvis was, but even so, freedom of speech, you know? And I had to like play them the Pink Floyd tape. Like, listen, it's not, it's not death metal. It's Pink Floyd. And I didn't realize that probably the Pink Floyd record would end up within a few years opening my mind far greater than any fucking death metal band could ever do, at least to me, for me, you know? Uh, listening to like some of those Pink Floyd records, smoking a joint, riding around, you know, you saw and heard something real good. Anyway, comic books. Paul collected comics. And, you know, all throughout this program, I've talked about all these little doorways into getting them. But more than that, and more important than that, is the doorway into wanting them and understanding them and appreciating them. You know, you can see something in a store and pick it up and be like, oh, this looks cool. But sometimes you need something more than that. And not always, not for everybody, but going over my cousin's house and already sort of admiring them and being in awe of them with their long hair and rock and roll t-shirts, knowing that they collected comics and that they thought that was cool made me sort of be okay with it, you know? And I said, all right, well, you know, if Paul collects comics, then they must be pretty neat because... I had some friends maybe in elementary school that were kind of like, ah, whatever with those things. But my cousin Paul collected them. And he collected good ones, you know? And that made me sort of have a lot more confidence in my own desire to, like, collect them. And he wasn't a nerd. He wasn't a geek. You know, he was a badass motherfucker who collected comic books. And, <laughs> you know, I would go over there and he had long boxes, tons of them. He was a really good collector. Took great care of his books. Everything was bagged and boarded. He would let me flip through them. He wouldn't always let me open up every one, but, you know, I could kind of, like, leaf through his collection because I always, that's what I always died to do as soon as I got there, was, you know, Paul, can we, can we please go downstairs in the basement so I can look at the books? And, you know, he was... He sort of played his role that I would probably have played if I had a younger kid nipping at my heels. You know, he would be uh, dickish about it, you know, but not in a terrible way. And there were certain books he would be like, yeah, you can open up that one, but other ones he wouldn't let me. Um, in particular, the uh, the Days of Future Past X-Men issues. Oh, he had them, and I just wanted to open them up from the bag so bad and look through them, and he, he would never let me do it. And... I can remember always going to that one and being like, please, can I look at it? I'll be careful. And No, no, definitely not, which is fine, which is fine. And I remember, you know, this is again like 82, 83, and looking through old ROM issues or old Avengers issues from that time. Uh, and the, the one book that he had that really stuck out to me was Iron Man. He had a big Iron Man collection. And I think the Iron Man's he would kind of like let me go through a little bit. And, you know, the, the, again, uh, sort of like a moot point, I suppose, but, you know, this is the early 80s. There is no Iron Man movie. There is no... Iron Man's not a huge seller on the racks. Uh, there's no Iron Man cartoon. It's just 
going through a, a, a long box of books and coming across the series, and I just responded to it so strongly. I, I love Iron Man. I always have. It's always been one of my favorite superheroes. Uh, a lot of that had to do with this the, the old Bob Layton, John Romita Jr. look. Uh, and then, you know, collecting them myself and getting into the Jim Rhodes era, which I loved. I adored that. And when he got the red and silver suit, this is like you're a fully functioning person and like you're buying Iron Man. And I love those issues. And I went back uh, two years ago and ended up almost completing the entire Michelini, uh, Leighton, Ramita Jr. run. Uh, but the the issue in particular that always really, really stuck out to me was uh, Iron Man, Invincible Iron Man, number 126. This is the one where on the left-hand side of the cover you can see him putting on his uniform. He's, you know, he's putting on the glove first, and then the, the yellow stuff kind of like appears, and he puts his boot on, and the yellow leg stuff appears, and then he's just there. And it's a sick pose of Iron Man, drawn so well and so perfectly. And there's like a history of covers like this. I remember there being a Spider-Man one, and that I always love that cover too. So maybe I, I, I was always kind of fascinated with the uniforms. Uh, I probably should have maybe gotten into fashion drawing and design because I always loved that. And these covers always stuck out to me real strong because it was like, not just that they look cool, but I wanted to understand how the uniforms worked. And I think that's why I loved Iron Man so much because it was literally a costume that worked for him. You know, it wasn't just spandex. It was a uniform that kept him alive and kept him going and had functions, you know. It was, it's, it's G.I. Joe times a thousand wrapped up in one person. Uh, so that was a, a real potent issue for me, seeing that cover. And I collected Iron Man throughout the years. I still have them all. I, I sold a big chunk of my collection years ago, but kept a lot of the Iron Mans because I, I couldn't part with them. And like I said, went back and bought all of these issues. This, this one came out in 79. So obviously this was already part of his collection that wasn't brand new, but, you know, I tell you, from finding this issue and getting to look through his old Iron Man stuff, I went out and was buying Iron Man then and by 84 and, you know, him popping up in Secret Wars. Uh, classic stuff. Classic comic books. So good. So good. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's not... A whole heck of a lot I'm going to be buying tomorrow. Uh, I wanted to bring up one thing that I already own. I bought it a while ago. Well, actually, this one I bought recently, but the first two issues I've owned for a while. Uh, it Will All Hurt, number three, by Farrell Dalrymple, comes out tomorrow from Alternative Comics. Uh, this was already put out, I guess, by a different company. I, I have to like pull the issue out and figure that out. But you know, I think he was basically putting these things out on his own or through a smaller company, and put out three issues of them. They're they're sort of bigger and beautiful. And Alternative Comics is picking up the slack here and putting them out for like the mainstream, bigger audience. Get it? I, anything this guy does is just just it's special to look at. It, it's marvelous. Uh, beautiful line work and I think that the time is up right now so goodbye 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 later